Hi, welcome to Colonial Williamsburg, past and present on History.org. This is Behind the Scenes, where you meet the people who work here. That's my job. I'm Lloyd Dobbins, and mostly I ask questions. Seventy-five years ago, architects and preservationists set out to reconstruct Williamsburg's Capitol building. Artistic details were pitted against historic records in a debate that is manifest in the building's walls. Senior architectural historian Carl Lounsbury is here with the rest of the story. What this project, uh, the building of the Capitol, does for Colonial Williamsburg today is offer a wonderful insight into the design philosophy of Perry Shaw and Hepburn. Uh, we know that they were trained uh, in what we call the Beaux-Arts uh, architectural training, which means that they base their, their designs on classical architecture and developing buildings that were resolved, that were symmetrical, that had a logical um, plan and were all worked out in nice details that are based basically on ancient Roman and Greek architecture. And sure, there was a lot of elements of that uh, classical architecture in the 18th century in Williamsburg, but what Perry Shaw and Hepburn failed to uh, really appreciate is the level of architectural expertise that was here at the beginning of the 18th century. So what they created was a building that would not look out of place in London in 1775 or 1800, but in Williamsburg in, in 1700, uh, it's extraordinarily well-resolved and well-finished, far more elaborate than anything you would have seen here. It's a, they were trained as architects, and they had an idea that there was this universal uh, design philosophy that could be extrapolated from the Renaissance onward, and it can be applied anywhere in the world. That what they overlooked were local conditions in um, Virginia at the beginning of the 18th century, where things were, it was very hard to find good craftsmen. In fact, they had to import some of the builders to uh, construct the capital from, from England. Uh, they had to work hard to get a lot of the materials uh, much of the manufactured materials like lead and glass and paint had to be brought in from England. So when we go up to the Capitol building today and stand out front and look at it, are we seeing the, the Capitol building as it was or the Capitol building as three guys thought it ought to be? Uh, both. But that's, that's, that's just the point. Uh, and this makes a difference between the work that we do today as architectural historians in the work that Perry Shaw and Hepburn did in 19, early 1930s. They were architects. They wanted a building to look nice. They wanted it well resolved in terms of all of its architectural details and features. And they were very well trained to produce a building like that. Today, architectural historians want to understand what that building was like at the period of time. Uh, there are, sure, there, there are design principles that are around, but we are much more interested in how that building operated, what were the conditions at the time to build that structure. And if we measure the capital in those terms today, there are some severe problems in the reconstruction. Uh, the easiest thing to talk about would be some of the features that you see in some of the decorative details, the woodwork of the staircases or the door cases, 
all of those were taken from precedents here in Virginia or England, um, but most of those structures that they based them on were built in the 1770s. Uh, for example, Shirley uh, Plantation in Charles City County, the Carter family home, um, they took a door casing for, uh, from, from Shirley, almost copied it directly. Well, we know that most of that woodwork at Shirley is from the 1770s. So in a way, it's 75 years out of date. Um, you can just multiply that over and over again. That they were, they were picking and selecting very nice examples. They never went down market in their selections. They always went up market. And uh, you can't always you know, know exactly the date of some of these buildings, but they always seem to have gravitated to the very best buildings around. And uh, what we now know is most of those buildings or 75 years later. Another example, uh, if you go into the Capitol uh, and walk into the general courtroom, which was the, the most important room in the, when that building was constructed, you see the entire room is fully paneled with these pilasters, nicely uh, painted. And in fact, what we know now, if we look at, at courtrooms, is that the paneling would have been only restricted to just the magistrate's platform and just a small part of it, not the entire room. And that platform would have been uh, raised up about a foot or two, and then a bench instead of this sort of uh, nice rostrum that they sit around now. Um, it's because the architects had not studied courtroom architecture. You know, they, they, they sort of looked at a, an example from, a, from an image they found in England and just extrapolated it. But they didn't really understand the dynamics of a courtroom and what the significance of what the paneling does. The paneling, uh, just like in, um, in churches and in other important places, the best fittings, the best uh, woodwork is always in the best room or the best place in that room, and the best place in that room would be where the magistrate sat. They, they could care less what the rest of the room looked like. And, but when you have it fully paneled like that, you miss that point of of that deference to the magistrates. So again, I think the architects missed the point on um, those subtleties, those little ideas that are communicated by fittings and details that, um, you know, in their, in their just looking at the form of, the, the, of those details rather than how they were selectively used at the time to convey certain meanings and social context. The point I'd like to make is that they had a different aesthetic philosophy than we do today. Every generation rewrites its history in, in, in terms of what is most important to them. Mm -hmm. Today we are very much interested in social history. Uh, in the 1930s they were very interested in aesthetics of the 18th century. We're more, much more interested in understanding how buildings work of course we're interested in how they look, but we also want to know how they worked and the kind of ideas that they communicated to the public, to individuals in the 18th century. What did the capital say to those who uh, worked there, who came there to legislate or were there in the general courtroom? What did those fittings tell you about the power and authority of the crown or of that provincial government? These are not the kind of things that Perry Shaw and Hepburn were interested in. They were interested in what kind of cornice might it have had. Uh, how do we resolve the detailing of this and that? Where can we get an example of this 
So they're 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 assembling pieces from here and there, but not thinking in the overall the bigger ideas of what that building would communicate. So when you go to a brick building, so the first thing that clearly in the early 18th century, the architects or the builders really, or the design committee who who designed this building, wanted to convey a sense of authority, permanence, and the the, the presence of the crown in the lives of provincial Virginians. And to do that, how did they do that? Well, they did. They subtly did it, and, and as well as overtly, in many different features. They used brick instead of wood. Uh, brick is a sign of permanence in, in colonial Virginia. If you look around in Williamsburg, all the public buildings are made of brick. The other thing, they would have uh, smaller details. They would have what we call compass-headed windows or arched windows. If you look in the Capitol, the ground floor windows are arched. Where else are they arched? In Bruton Parish Church, the Powder Magazine. Again, uh, these are you don't see them on private buildings, but you see them on public buildings. It's saying a sense of, uh, of public authority. The Capitol is surrounded by a precinct. It has Capitol walls, so it's like a special place that you go to. It's not just simply on the side of the street like it was in Jamestown. It is set aside. It is in the center of the, of the, of the street. So obviously every eye is, ref, is focused on that structure. So there, the cupola itself comes up and, you know, symbolic of, of the authority of the crown. And you have the, obviously the, the um, symbols of authority, that is the, the arms of the crown, as well as other um, important folks are right there on the building. So all these, these little features speak of authority, of power, of permanence. Our, our environment is shaped, and we shape our environment. Uh, um, we bring certain things to it, um, and when we go to buildings, I think Churchill you know, summarized it very nicely when he says, first we shape our buildings, and then our buildings shape us. And the environment has an impact on people. That's Colonial Williamsburg, past and present this time. Check history.org often. We'll post more for you to download and hear. Click comment on history.org slash podcasts and let us know what you think.